Okay, today we are going to be hanging out for the last Sunday in 2 Chronicles. Today we're going to be hanging out in 2 Chronicles, uh, chapter uh, 25. So maybe press pause, grab your Bible, open it up there and, and get ready to read from there. While you're doing that, um, I'm just going to catch you up on the story really quickly. If you haven't been following along in 2 Chronicles, we started off with Solomon becoming king after David and building the temple in the presence of God, filling that temple. And then after that, we had his son Rehoboam taking over and the kingdom was split, Jeroboam in the north and Rehoboam in the south. Um, And it all went a little bit wrong and then the story goes on, Rehoboam's son and then his son and king after king after king. And some of them we read are good and and they do right in the eyes of the Lord and others of them we read are bad and they don't and they follow what Israel in the north is doing and turn to other gods and abandon the Lord their God. That is essentially the story of 2 Chronicles chapter 25, uh, sorry, of 2 Chronicles. And 2 Chronicles ends with them being carried off into captivity because ultimately they do abandon God. Uh, But we're going to jump in today and just look uh, at a little bit of the story from 2 Chronicles chapter 25. So let's read that together. We're going to read from verse 1 to verse 10. Amaziah was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Jehoadana. She was from Jerusalem. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but not wholeheartedly. After the kingdom was firmly in his control, he executed the officials who murdered his father, the king. Yet he did not put their children to death, but acted in accordance with what is written in the law in the books of Moses, where the Lord commanded, parents shall not be put to death for their children, nor children be put to death for their parents. Each will die for their own sin." Amaziah called the people of Judah together and assigned them according to their families to commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds for all Judah and Benjamin. He then mustered those 20 years old or more and found that there were 300,000 men fit for military service, able to handle the spear and the shield. He also hired... A hundred thousand fighting men from Israel for a hundred talents of silver. But a man of God came to him and said, Your Majesty, these troops from Israel must not march with you, for the Lord is not with Israel, not with any of the people of Ephraim. Even if you go and fight courageously in battle, God will overthrow you before the enemy. For God has the power to help or to overthrow. Amaziah asked the man of God, but what about the hundred talents I paid for these Israelite troops? The man of God replied, the Lord can give you so much more than that. So Amaziah dismissed the troops who had come to him from Ephraim and sent them home. They were furious with Judah and left in a great rage. Let's pray. 
Father God, I thank you that for thousands of years you have been meeting with people. For thousands of years you have been revealing yourself and calling people to come near to you and to know you and to trust in you. And Father, I pray that today we would know that call too. Open our hearts, open our minds, let your spirit speak to us, I pray. May we hear your voice today as we delve into these scriptures. May we hear your call to draw near to you and may we discover more of who you are and who you have called us to be in you. Amen. Great. We're going to um, jump into just talking a bit about Amaziah. Now, I don't know about you, um, but I think that Amaziah, from what I read in these scriptures, he was not a bad guy, right? It starts off saying that Amaziah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. But also we discover that he's not perfect. He, he, he doesn't give himself wholeheartedly to the Lord, and, and he's not perfect. And actually, what I think we discover from that is that Amaziah is a man much like the rest of us, human beings that long to get it right and to do the right thing, but we don't always get it right. And, um, and I think that we, like him, often build things into our lives that we think will help us, that we perceive that these things will be good for us. Um, and, and Amaziah, he did that, didn't he? He drafted in these 100,000 men from Israel to help him and his army to, to conquer back the territories that Judah had lost over the years with bad kings coming and going. And, and so he gets in these 100,000 men to, to, to strengthen his position, to fill him with confidence, give him peace, that we can go out and we can do this, we can serve the Lord. And he pulls them in. And, and I think that we often do stuff like that. We draft things into our lives, things to ease the pain, things uh, to, to give us confidence or to comfort us. We, we draft things into our life that might fulfill us and give us hope and joy, lift our spirits and bring us some happiness in the midst of all the things that are going on. We look for things that will give us strength and confidence or maybe even make us more attractive to the people around us, people that it won't be our friends if we could win them over and we draft things in. Now, these things often take the shape in our lives as habits. We build habits into our lives. And, and I'm sure that if Amaziah did go to war with this 100,000 men from Israel, if he had gone to war, which we know he didn't, he did send them home. But if he had, if he'd leaned upon that, if he'd pressed into that, if he'd taken strength and confidence from that, and they'd gone to war and they had won, then he would have come away thinking, I needed those men. And then he would have leaned on them again and again and again. And he would have developed that habit of calling in these men from Israel to help him. If he had gone to war and he had lost and it had gone tragically wrong, then maybe then what would have happened is that Amaziah would have thought, I didn't have enough. I need more. So next time I don't need 100,000 men, I need 200,000 men from Israel because clearly that wasn't enough. And again, he develops this habit where he leans on something that he needs to give him strength and confidence and peace and we do that we like Amaziah we can do that it would have become a habit for him like things become a habit for us for us it, it could be anything now I'm sure that you're not going out there and going to draft in a hundred thousand men from somewhere to come and help you win a battle but we all have battles that we face there are things that are going on for us in life 
And, and we draft in other things, other habits to help us. Maybe it's gossip. We draft in gossip. It starts off as a little conversation with our friends. You know, I've been wounded and hurt by this thing. Let me tell you about that person and what they did to me. Only years later, we're still talking about it and it's still the subject of our conversation. It becomes a gossip, a thing that we keep doing. But hey, it helps us deal with the hurt and the pain. So I draft it in because telling more people what that person did, it gives me a little bit of peace and comfort. People take my side. What about um, factions, discord and hatred? You know, maybe you don't gossip about anyone, but maybe someone did something to you. And so what you think is right, I'm going to put a barrier between me and them. They might be my brother or sister in Christ. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a faction. I'm going to get my group of friends and we're not really going to associate with them. We're going to separate ourselves. Sure, we're all part of the same church, but actually we're going to sit here and not sit there. And we're not going to talk with them and... And actually, that's not right either. That is not right either. You can read in Galatians 5, chapter 19, and in Ephesians 5, chapter 3, Paul lists some things. He says, these are not of God. They are not of the Spirit. And factions and discord is one of those things. Do not do that. But we lean upon that stuff. It gives us comfort. Uh, It becomes a defense mechanism. There are other things, sexual immorality, pornography, uh, sex outside of marriage, all of those things we can sometimes lean upon because they give us comfort. They become a thing that we lean on when we need uh, help that fulfills a need in us. Indulgent spending, that might not just be your money, it might be indulgent spending of your time. You know, what do we spend indulgently into? We have this, uh, this lust, this desire, this need for something. And, and as, we, as we do, as we give our time to it, our money to it, our lives to it, it somehow fills us with a little bit of confidence or we feel a little bit better or that, that stress and that anxiety. It just dies down a little bit when I do that thing. We develop these habits, maybe getting drunk or taking drugs. Again, another thing that can give us confidence or can ease the pain, you know, it helps us to go to battle against these things. Um, another one is maybe the thoughts that you have. What kind of thoughts are going through your mind? And, and we, we run these thoughts through our head. And you know the ones I'm talking about, right? They're actually, the Bible refers to them as like unhealthy thinking, unhealthy thoughts. That conversation, that situation, that dream or longing for that thing. And we keep playing it over and over and over and over. And it never changes the situation or the dream or never brings it any closer but we just keep replaying it and it traps us in those thoughts Romans chapter 8 verse 6 says this about thoughts it says the mind governed by flesh is death but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace life and peace We keep leaning on these things like Amaziah was about to lean on the 100 men of Israel. But when we start to follow Jesus, Jesus actually tells us that he is not in those things. He's not in those things. When you read what Paul says in Galatians and Ephesians and Romans, anywhere else in the scriptures, what you discover is that he's not in those things. They're not of the spirit. God is not found in them. 
And like the man of God says to Ahaziah, he says, God is not with Israel. Don't partner with that thing. Don't partner with those people. Don't partner with that thought. Don't partner with that habit because God is not with Israel. He is not with them. And um, Paul says in Galatians chapter 5 verse 21, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom. What that means is that if we partner with those things, if we buy into those things, then we won't experience the fullness of life that Jesus wants to give us. He wants to give us fullness of life. But the more we partner with them, we won't. We won't experience that. And so Jesus asks us to get rid of those things, like Ahaziah and the Israelite men, and to walk in step with his spirit instead. And like the man of God explains to Ahaziah, Jesus would say to us, hey, these things, they look like strength to you. They look like they'll provide you with comfort and help, but actually they will be your downfall. They will be your undoing because those things lead you away from God. And any way, any direction that you head in away from Jesus is towards death. Jesus is life and everything else is death. The path to him is narrow. The path to death is wide. And so he says, don't partner with those things. Now, often, I think that our reply to Jesus can often be a little bit like Ahaziah's reply. And Ahaziah, he turns round to the man of God and he says this, he says, but what about the hundred talents of silver that I gave for this hundred thousand men? What about what I've paid for it? What about what I've given for it? What about what I have invested in it? What about the cost to me? You see, it's part of me now. It's part of me now. I bought into it. I am connected with it. I will lose my money. I'll lose my investment. I will lose this part of me and my identity if I give it up now. That will all be gone. And I've heard many Christians today say something along the lines of this, you know, oh yeah, yeah, I can follow Jesus and I can still live like this or I can still do this because yes, sure, God is a God of grace and mercy and love, isn't he? And his love and grace and mercy, they extend to no bounds. But it doesn't change the fact that those things that we hold on to, they actually bring death into our lives. They actually pull us away from God. And while his grace and mercy is so longing to pull us close to him, we keep holding on to those things that pull us away. I can still be a Christian and still be angry at that person. I can be angry at them because it's justified. Isn't he a God of justice? They wronged me and it's justified. I can be angry at them. I can still be a Christian and I can watch this or that that's okay. I'm just looking. I'm not doing anything wrong. I can still be a Christian and have sex outside of marriage. I mean, the Bible doesn't definitely say don't have sex outside of marriage. It's kind of an interpretation, right? I can do these things. I'm connected with this person now. I don't want to give that up. I'm, I've bought into this. And if I, if I give that up, well, that will cost me. It will cost me. I can be a Christian and and do what I like with my money. It's mine. God's given it to me. I can choose my own way to spend that money. I can be a Christian and hey, I can be a little flirty with that person. They're my friend. That's okay for me to do that. No one's getting hurt. It just makes us both feel good. 
It makes us feel good and, and it's, it's just a laugh, you know? A bit like Ahaziah, it's a little bit like we're saying back to God, hey, but our army is already here. Like I paid the price and they've come. They're here now. It's too late to send them back. They're right here. Uh, it's done. I've paid for it. I can't stop now. I can't stop now. But God is not with them. And God is not in that thing. He is not in that thing. Here's the amazing thing about God though. And this is the incredible thing that I believe that God's laid on my heart. That he wants to say to us today. Listen to the words of the man of God to Ahaziah again in verse 9. The man of God replied, The Lord can give you so much more than that. The Lord can give you so much more than that. What incredible words. What incredible words. And today, to those of you who are still hanging on to habits, they're still leaning on those crutches, you're still calling on that 100,000 men of Israel. Today, uh, for those of you that are finding some level of, of joy or comfort or happiness or peace, however fleeting it is, for those of you that are finding it just temporarily in those things, I believe that Jesus would want to say to you, lay it all down. Lay it all down. I can give you so much more than that. I can give you so much more than that. Ephesians 3 verse 20 tells us that Jesus is the God who is able to give us immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. That, that is who he is and that, that is what he offers you today. Immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine. What you're thinking that you get from that 100,000 men, from that habit, whatever that is, he can give Give you so much more than that. So much more. Will you be different to Ahaziah? And will you be wholeheartedly sold out for God? So that he can give you wholly the peace and the joy and the comfort and the strength and the identity that you need to know. I don't want to set any of you up to fail. So I just want to give you a little word of warning, maybe before you embark on this journey of offering these things up to Jesus. Let me tell you straight, it won't be easy. It won't be easy. When Ahaziah sent the Israelite troops back to Israel, when they left him and went on their way, we read, don't we, in verse 10, that they were furious with Judah and they left for home in a great rage. If you keep reading, what you discover is that they left for Judah in this great rage. But as they did, they destroyed and attacked some of the towns in Judah on their way back to Israel. They destroyed some of the towns of Judah, attacked them on the way back to Israel. 
Let me tell you this, your habit, your crutch, that thing that you're leaning on, if you want to give it up and trust in Jesus, well, I I can tell you now that it won't leave you easily. It wants you to use it. It wants you to lean on it. It will not go quietly. But if you trust in God, and if you don't turn away like Ahaziah did, if you keep reading the story, he starts off good, but by the end, he comes back from having the victory with God, and he brings back these gods from this other place, and he starts to worship them, and he turns away from the Lord. But if you don't do that, if you keep him, or your eyes on him, if you keep seeking him, if you keep trusting in him, then he will give you the victory. And hey, he will restore the towns, the places in your life that your habit has destroyed as you were telling it to go. Because it will do that. But he will restore the fallen cities. He will restore the places in your life that your habit has been tearing down. Because that is who he is and that is what he promises. It says, doesn't it, for God has the power to help or to overthrow. God has the power to help or to overthrow. What do you want him to do for you today? What do you want him to do for you today? He has the power to help or the power to overthrow. He has so much more for you. So much more. Will you put your trust in him? Will you lay those things down? Will you send away the 100,000 troops? Whatever your habit is today, will you tell it, no, I know I've bought into you. I know I've invested in you. I know we've become connected, but I have my faith in a God who can give me so much more than what you give me. So much more. Put your faith in him because he has so much more for you.